Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of nature-led gardening, a person who dreams of a food system grounded on well-being for all, and someone who knows no farms, no foods. It's really simple, no farms, no foods. And on today's show, um, we're also there's also the issue of no farmland, then there's also no food. Um, and every day, 2,000 acres of farmland and ranch land in the United States is lost, mainly to development. 31 million acres of American farmland has been lost to development between 1992 and 2012. So on today's show, we're going to be talking about farmland, farmland and farmers. And two uh, perfect people to join us right now is the co-founders of Renewing the Countryside, Brett Olson and Jan Jonas. Um, so welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Thank you. We're That's great. Yeah. So um, you guys have been active in this for a long time. But let, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure. So um, we started this organization uh, nearly 20, well, over 20 years ago, um, really um, resulting out of uh, work that we were doing kind of out with folks in the countryside and and hearing the great stories of how people were renewing the countryside. And uh, we started by actually doing a book that was called Renewing the Countryside Minnesota that showcased uh, 40-some stories of innovative folks across the countryside that were doing things that we and they felt were very innovative, but a lot of times, like in their own communities, people thought they were just kind of strange. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, I, I think, Laura, that, um, that Jan and I both have sort of these family histories. And I think, you know, a lot of times I'm in a room with people and I say, how many people are one generation from sitting in a tractor seat or two generations from sitting in a tractor seat? And, you know, especially in the Midwest, you know, we're all really pretty tied to agriculture and and to farming. And, you know, Jan's family is from... Um, Western Pennsylvania. Um, it was a. I'm, I don't want to tell your story, but <laughs> but but it, you know they 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 were uh, uh, market gardeners and and berry farmers and you know um, took a battery to town to charge it to listen to the radio at home. I mean, they weren't quite hillbillies. That's not fair, but I mean, they were they were very um, they were very rooted in the land. And my family, my dad was a church planter, and we um, spent a lot of times in rural areas, working with you know small uh, family farms and 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 business owners, you know, building churches in areas that that didn't have a community that they could you know bring themselves together in. And so both of us come from these rural roots of like sustainability and community building and renewing the countryside. I love the name Re- renewing the countryside because um the a brief history is like in the um, 80s, um, Earl Butts said get big or get out under Re- Ronald Reagan and the whole idea was, you know, plow plow all it up and and corn and soybeans everywhere, and that's the way to do agriculture. And what has been some of the consequences of that type of approach to the land and to food? Well, I think some of it has been, you know, as you as you 
as you drive across the upper Midwest, a lot of the land is in corn and soybeans. And I think there's, um, you know, not only did farmers take that to heart because that's what they were encouraged to do, but a lot of the you know policies that were set up support those sort of systems so that there are, you know, the farm protection payments that are set up are mostly for crops like that. The crop insurance that's easy to get is mostly for crops like that. So when you're looking at, you know, smaller farms or farms that are doing a diversity of, um, of different food and farms that are growing fruits and vegetables in the upper Midwest, there just aren't the same sort of safety nets. And so what we've seen is just more and more of, you know, kind of this pretty narrow sort of farming, which, you know, has, has its benefits, but, but in my mind, like the pendulum has swung too far to one side and we need to kind of swing it back. So we still have some of those larger farms, uh, you know, even smaller farms that are growing those crops, but we also need um, to kind of diversify the countryside. Uh, and I think one of the hopeful things is that, you know, there's more and more efforts um, for all farmers, whether they're growing corn and soybeans or whether they're growing, you know, carrots and peas to, to really start thinking about you know, the, the environmental consequences and thinking about doing things like cover cropping or um, perennial, you know, adding perennial crops mm -hmm. or, you know, other things that can make the whole system work better over the long term. And the other side of that renewing the countryside is when the farmers, when the farms all got bigger and bigger and bigger, that actually led to um, empty main streets and, and hurt Absolutely. the rural community in a lot of ways that way. Okay, so there's going to be a farmland summit coming up. Um, tell us about it. Yeah, so this is really exciting. We actually did an initial farmland summit in Minnesota four or five years ago. Um, and it was, it was, I think, 90 or so people um, but we at Renewing the Countryside and other organizations that we worked with kept on hearing this issue. About, we kept on hearing farmland access is a problem, but that was like about as deep as that. <laughs> and so we were able to get some support through um, the Bush Foundation to really do a lot of listening sessions and conversations with farmers and others to really understand that mean when you say farmland, you know, is it, is it, there's no farmland out there? Is it, is it expensive? Is it whatever it is? So, um, so that, that led to um, a convening of numerous um, partners to kind of discuss and, and look at these issues. And one of the things that came out of that was um, this farmland access hub that we're a part of, which is a collective group of partners across Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, and now Illinois, that are really kind of focused on how do we get more farmers on the land. Um, and one of the, the things that we know is that we need to like raise awareness of this issue. I think a lot of people don't understand that farmland access is an issue and that there are young farmers and new farmers and maybe farmers who farmed in other countries and moved here and even, you know, second, third, fourth generation farmers who really struggle to get uh, access to the land. And that goes back to, to you know, what you're talking about. There's been so much consolidation, you know, there, there are large entities that have deep pockets who see land as a, still as a good investment. And so they're able to jump in and, and snap up the farmland before 
the folks who actually really want to be on the land and farm it can do so. So we are hosting this summit. Um, again, it's hosted by the, the um, Farmland Access Summit and there are folks coming from the four straight region and beyond um, to really kind of dig into the issues and share kind of what we've learned and best practices, but also kind of dream about like, what might we be able to change to make it easier to get more beginning emerging farmers on the land. Cool. So um, the summit is on uh, Tuesday, November 14th and Wednesday, November 15th. Um, and it's going to start with a welcome and a land blessing. So why start with a land blessing? I mean, most conferences just start with a welcome and go to the keynote, <laughs> but you start with a welcome and a land blessing. Well, I think part of this, you know, summit is all about land. And I think the reality is that the land that we're all like living in and working on in the United States is, you know, always uh, was um, the the land that Native nations uh, was, lived on. And there were so many policies and et cetera that, you know, kind of unfairly and, you know, criminally in some ways uh, move that off. So so we are, uh, we have a, a Dakota member who's going to do a land blessing um, as part of the summit. And I think that's important because I think, you know, I think the fact that this is land-based, those are things we want to acknowledge mm -hmm. and make sure it's part of the conversation. Cool. Um, and so, um, what, and then it's one of the first start is uh, with Kathy Rule, if I'm saying her name correctly. She's a nationally recognized leader in farm entry and secession, and she's with something called Land for Good. So talk a little bit about um, her and um, and what she'll be talking about. Yeah, so... Uh, I think we may be breaking up a little bit. Welcome to Rural Broadband. <laughs> ah, okay. Laura. Oh, that's Rural Broadband. Well, um, we'll keep it on because this is it. You know, if it helps, we could take <laughs> your, um, you, we could mute the camera. And sometimes when I mute the camera, um, then we'll have better um, saying. Because this is radio. Yeah. You can listen to radio on LinkedIn or Facebook Live or AM950's YouTube page. But we don't need it for the radio station. So, uh, yeah. That, and let's talk a little bit about broadband. So um, we're talking about the Farmland Summit. But broadband is actually something that's so critical for rural areas. Um, do you want to briefly comment on that? Yeah. So I can I can briefly comment on that. So, um Back when I had um, Local Food Hero, I was living in, and, you know, broadband in the cities was pretty, you know, even across everyone. It was all fine. Um, and then uh, Jan and I decided to move the home base for Renewing the Countryside and our own family down to southeastern Minnesota. And we called up the local broadband provider in what would they bring to our door? 250 kilobytes per second, <laughs> which is, which is dial up, right? I mean, that was just ridiculous. And so, so we're going to, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about the farmland summit and we're going to get into that. You, that you, uh, you did food, uh, local food hero here on AM 950. So food freedom radio kind of grew out of that show. Um, we're talking with the co-founders of renewing the countryside about farmland access. Uh, you're listening to food freedom radio and I'm Laura Hedlund. We'll be right back. You 
Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and joining us uh, by phone, not by internet, um, is the, are the uh, co-directors, um, our co-founders of uh, Renewing the Countryside, Brett Olson and Jan uh, Jonas. Um, welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. Wow. Yeah, thank you. Um, sorry that we dropped off there. We were talking about rural broadband at the end of the last segment, and here's a perfect example of how, wow, it can be kind of tough out here. You know, and most people listen to Food Freedom Radio on the radio, but we also do broadcast live. We stream it live on, like, Facebook and YouTube and LinkedIn. So we were on, and then your broadband went out. And so, I mean, that seems <laughs> so incredibly frustrating. Um, and 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 it seems like it's something that we've been talking about for a long, long time is better rural broadband. So anything else you want to say on rural broadband? (laughs) You mean that are outside of the seven words that you can't say on the radio? (laughs) You know, that's probably all you have to say. We can just grunt about it and kind of communicate. (laughs) Be like dogs. What would you say? (laughs) Um, So, but but, Laura, like the the reality is that, um, you know, um, I remember going off on like some kind of Facebook post because like I can do that. Um, that like they were rolling out 5G in the in the Twin Cities, you know, two years ago or something. I'm like, could you just get me regular coverage in the country before you go and roll out all of this fancy new stuff? So anyway, that's beside the point. Um, but, um, the, but I, I don't actually think that is the side point. That actually might be directly to the point, which is why renewing the countryside is so important, is that, like, this is where clean water, uh, you know, uh, good uh, natural habitat, like wildlife, air quality, that's where this starts, is in the rural areas, and we have to be looking to those rural areas as to, like, you know, being part of an ecosystem that is renewing the countryside, but also, you know, supporting, you know, uh, urban centers. So. Right, we're all we're all interconnected now. And I, I we did it once. So you had a show on um, AM nine fifty. Actually, Food Freedom Radio grew out of Local Food Hero. So talk a little bit about Local Food Hero. Boy, was that ever fun! Um, I loved it. It was an hour show on Saturday morning. It actually interfered with my, you know, going to the farmer's market, but I was willing to do it. Um, had really great support from uh, the leadership at AM 950 to do it. And, you know, we talked with um, farmers every week. We talked with farmers, chefs, and policymakers. Every, you know, everyone from you know, Jack Hedeen at, at uh, Featherstone Farm to Jim uh, uh, Hightower, you know, I mean, like we had, we had, we had the full range of, of guests on every week and couldn't have done it without um, my producer, uh, Lindsay Raybon. She really, 
uh, ran the show, and all I did was sit there and try to figure out how not to step over the advertising, you know. Well, and yeah, and I I remember listening to Local Food Hero a long time ago and really, really enjoyed it. So, I mean... These are, um, and, and so I, I appreciate that. And so now the, the topic for today is that there's going to be a large um, uh, conference on farmland access. So tell us about the conference and why you guys are doing it, uh, Jan. Yeah, so we're doing the conference because we know that this is an issue um, that is of importance and needs attention. And we also know that there are people, you know, scattered across uh, this four straight region that this is focusing focusing on, which is Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois, that are working at the ground level, um, trying innovative things, trying to figure out how to make this easier for um, the next generation of farmers to get on the land, trying to help those exiting farmers figure out, you know, graceful ways to exit while still, you know, being able to have a, a decent living, you know, after they've retired. Uh, so by bringing all of these folks together to share what they know and, you know, and hear from each other and kind of brainstorm together, we think that we'll uh, kind of be setting some additional momentum forward on these issues that we hope will bring about change in the next couple of years. So let's understand a little bit about what's going on with farmland. I mean, right now, over 40% of the nation's farmland is owned by people um, over the age of 65. So up to 370 million acres of farmland could be changing hands over the next 20 years. Um, And so the question is, um, who's going to own that farmland, right? And that's a very, very vital question. Um, So this conference is sort of geared to how to help you know, diverse communities own that farmland, small farm holders. Um, and, and so describe some of the values inherent in this renewing the countryside and land ownership and how those values are interconnected. I'll jump in. Um, Laura, I think that um, you, you've laid it out beautifully. And, um, and what's great about the... Uh, this summit that the upper Midwest farmland summit is that we're going to have way more smarter people than myself there to talk about this. But one of the things that really concerns me in that discussion is that, um, you know, farmland is going to change hands. Um, but how is it going to change hands is really important, Right. So it could be left into a family trust, or it could be sold to a neighbor, or it could be sold to an heir or to somebody outside of the, the, the family. Um, I want to see more farmers on the land, and, 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 and that way, like you alluded to before, you know, that would put more children into rural schools or more, um, you know, families into the pews at church or into, you know, all of those rural organizations that really actually do renew the, renew the countryside. So how do we make sure that the farmland gets put into families 
so that we can build out those communities. That, I think, is what I'm really hoping to see happen. Jan? You? Yeah, and I would add to that that, you know, there's also this, I think, this, you know, idea of the traditional farm family of, you know, a mom and dad and a couple of kids. Um, and I think that we're seeing that there are a lot of people that don't fit mm-hmm. that, you know, that necessarily scenario. There are, you know, there are single people who went to farm and there are people, you know, there are m- multiple families that went to farm together. So part of it is looking at, like, how can we how can we develop systems that can um, support lots of different, you know, scenarios of what farming could look like, but has the, you know, the, the same thing where it's taking care of, you know, it's, it's, it's growing food or fiber and it's... Um, so we're, we're going to be business. we're going to need to take a break. We're going to be right back. We're talking about the uh, Farmland Access Summit that's happening um, um, in November 14th and 15th at the Minnesota Landscape Arboretum, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of nature-led gardening, a person who dreams of a food system grounded on well-being for all, and someone who knows no farms, no food, no farmland, no farmers. So uh, we're talking with the founders of Renewing the Countryside about um, the uh, summit coming up on November 14th and 15th, the Upper Midwest Farmland Summit. So um, the summit begins on the 14th, and it starts with a land blessing. So tell us more about what's happening that first day at the summit. Yeah, so, you know, as we were designing this, we kind of had a, a idea that we would kind of have day one really be kind of getting everybody on the same page uh, because we have all sorts of folks coming um, who, you know, who've been looking at farmland access transition issues from with different, you know, hats on. So we really wanted to try and, um, you know, Again, kind of get a mutual understanding. And so um, we have, you know, kind of, we have Kathy Roof from Land for Good, and Land for Good is um, works in New England. And when we started doing our work on farmland access and we're trying to, like, figure out what to do, we discovered this organization who was kind of a good 10 years ahead of us <laughs> in terms of figuring out what to do. And they have just been, they've really been the mentors for this work uh, and Kathy is, you know, one of the national experts in terms of working with, uh, you know, small and mid-sized farms, helping both with access and transition. And she does a lot of with those farmers. So she's going to do an overview. Um, we then, uh, one of my favorite things is always listening to farmers themselves. So we have um, an initial panel, which are three farmers who are transitioning or have already transitioned their lands to non-heirs. So I think there, you know, there's kind of these two pathways. One is if you're a farm family and you have, you know, you have children or nieces and nephews who might want to, or brothers and sisters that might want to take over the farm. And that's one pathway. But for those people who don't have those people who want to take over the farm, they're in a really kind of you know, it's it's much more difficult to figure out, well, what do I do? Where do I find someone if I want to keep this land in farming? So um, we have Carmen Fernholz, uh, who's an organic farmer in western Minnesota. Uh, we have Jerry Ford, who is a farmer in central Minnesota. And then we have Lynn Reek, who, um, who transitioned her farm 
um, last year, and she was a um, a goat in um, goat. She, she made goat cheese and sold at the Mill City Farmers Market. Um, yeah, Singing Hills. Singing. I've got a I've got a quick like jump in here. Is that um, you were talking about the the average age of a farmland owner, right, being over seventy or something like that? Well, if you kind of roll back that number to who their kids are. Their kids are in their mid-50s, mid-60s, maybe. Um, and so they're probably already established in a career. And so we're jumping generations and trying to figure out who's going to be the next person. And so it the, the air could be um, just missed by the fact that, you know, people are aging out of farming. And no, well, and I can just, no farmers, no food. No farmers, no food. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and then I'll jump in, like, so we are super excited that our, our keynote address on uh, Tuesday is going to be um, Administrator Zach Ducheneau, who is the National Administrator for the Farm Service Agency. Um, and uh, we been talking to him and because of the possibility of the, you know, the federal government shutting down, we weren't sure if he could come, but he's going to come. And uh, I think that's going to be a really interesting presentation because those who don't know about the Farm Service Agency, it is kind of the agency that provides a lot of loans to farmers, to especially those farmers who can't get loans through banks to get started. And as he's come in, um, he's really tried to make the whole agency um, much more open and available to kind of your non-traditional farmers. So I think, you know, as you think, at least in the upper Midwest, your traditional farmer is probably going to be like an older white male who's growing corn and soybeans or wheat or, you know, like those are the sorts of, you know, or maybe hogs. Those are the sorts of, I mean, that's just kind of what it has been, but there, we're really seeing so much more growing diversity in terms of who wants to farm um, and he's really been working to change that. So it's going to be great to have him as part of uh, as part of the day. And you, you, and you, you know, he you, follows. Yeah, you, you said something about non-traditional, and you know, it's like sometimes you look at that word. It's like, well, I guess you know, we're actually going back. But I mean, in in the 1910s to 1920s, about 14 percent of the farm population were African Americans. 14 um, percent right. owned their own land. Yeah, so know you know, I mean, and now that's that's down to one percent. So some of this, yeah. you know, tradition is how to kind of get back to um, land ownership for all and a right and, to and, where we were. Exactly. <laughs> well, Laura, what's interesting is that the fastest growing sector in farmers in the United States are women. Women are leading the pack as far as new farmers. And so um, I don't have to break down whether they're, you know, BIPOC or, or whatever, but they are the they're leading the they're leading the pack on where we get our food. And well, and then to jump yeah. into the, to the rest of that day, um, again, we're super excited about another panel of farmers, and these are farmers that really cross um, cultures. So we have um, we have a, a native uh, farmer from Red Lake. We have. Uh, 
Jansen Hang from the Hmong American Farmers Association, who uh, has this amazing farm on, on Highway 52. Um, we have Rachel Arneson, which I, I think she's a fifth-generation farmer up in the Northwest. Um, we have Moses Momani, who uh, is a, a Kenyan farmer who, you know, farmed in his country, moved here 15 years ago, and is now, you know, finally figured out how to kind of like get back to the land and do what he loves. Um, and then we have Javier Garcia, who is a Latino farmer. So I, it, it's, I think what we're all kind of struggling with is that we wish that we could have an hour with each of these people on the panel. <laughs> and that's the, you know, that's the struggle with these conferences is that like we have two days and, you know, trying to, to, you know, listen to everyone, but knowing that we are not giving everybody the space that, mm. that we'd really like to be able to give them because I know it's all going to be very interesting yes, um, stories. And, and, and you also yes. have the Minnesota Department of Agriculture's Emerging Farmers Office. Um, so there is a real um, knowing and striving collectively to have a food system grown by people that match the people who live here. And what's what's behind what sits behind that? And I think there's something really beautiful that sits behind that. Yeah, well, I think what's behind it is that there there really are. You know, I, one of the things that, that you know I think about is that a lot of times people who move to this country from other countries. Um, you know, they end up in urban areas, even though they may not have been in urban areas in their own own countries. And so that really kind of pushes you into certain sorts of jobs. But, you know, there are, you know, folks who really, you know, their place is rural. Their, you know, passion is agriculture. And, you know, I think that our systems in a lot of ways have been set up pretty narrowly in the past that haven't really opened doors for, for people who, you know, who, who, who weren't from generational farms to be able to, to farm. Um, even though like, you know, a lot of those generational farmers originally got started farming because of some of the policies that gave them access to acreage. Uh, so I, I think we're really trying to push, you know, kind of push through that and say, you know, there are, uh, there are, we need in my opinion, because I know how hard farming is, we need everybody who, you know, is interested and has skills or is willing to learn the skills and do the hard work to farm, to farm if we really want to have a robust local food system. And so we can't, you know, we can't have it just be a a narrow segment of the population. We have to have it broaden out to all of those people who are interested and eager and yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in again, Laura. Um, I think um, I talked to my colleagues in Iowa and Wisconsin and Illinois on a regular basis. And all of them will agree that they're kind of like jealous of Minnesota and our progressiveness on this issue that we're really trying to create space for this. And so, um, you know, I know AM 950 can kind of lean towards politics and whatever, and I obviously I had a show here, but I mean, um, this is really important for us, right, is that we continue to support this activity, and, um, and it's, 
it's it's bearing fruit, right? We have, you know, vibrant um, farmers markets. We have vibrant food systems, and we want to continue that. And so that's um, something that is on our all all of our plates as voters. And it takes a lot of, but it, we have to also act to push that progressive land value. And and I think grounding that in the healthy soil is so important, right? Healthy soil, healthy people, a healthy food system, and how we move forward. Um, I, I think it's almost a common sense vision of of farming and and and, and farming in terms of um, occupation, uh, having people be able to earn a living farming. And I know, um, like one of the speakers I've talked to is uh, uh, she is actually making a living um, urbanista, and she'll, she's making um, uh, Kelsey uh, with Urlumista uh, is one of your is speaking, and I know she makes a living mm-hmm. off of small farms. So it's wonderful to see these um, stories. Yeah, it is. And it's, yeah, I I think that's one of the things that's so rewarding in the work that we do is that we know it's hard work, but people are finding out, finding how to, you know, how to make a living. And there's like, I think in Minnesota in particular, um, there's such a great kind of um, group of organizations that are, you know, working together to to try and provide, you know, the sorts of technical assistance that farmers need, whether it's helping them access farmland or rather it's helping them, you know, figure out like, you know, what, what crops should they be growing to be able to, you know, have a viable business and, you know, helping them find markets. Um, it's, it's a really exciting area to be working in. So on this conference on Tuesday, November 14th, there'll be um, a lot of land stories and sharing the experiences, but there's also going to be um, something on the state of, of the state's farms under threat. So talk a little bit about farms and the threat. Actually, we're going, to, we're going to need to take a break and we're going to come right back. We're going to talk about how is farmland being threatened right now. I mean, we're losing um, a lot of farmland to development, um, and um, 40% of the farmland is owned by people over 65. How do we have farmland transition to um, people who are going to actually grow food and make a, a viable living um, by um, by honoring the soil and, and offering all of us a healthy, well-being food system. So you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and we're talking with the co-founders of the Renewing the Countryside um, about um, the Upper Midwest Farmland Summit, which is going to be November 14th and 15th at the Minnesota Landscape Arboretum. And so, uh, Jan and Brett, uh, tell us again about the website and how people can connect with you and learn more about this. Yeah, so so, uh, the Farmland Access Hub has a website that's called farmlandaccesshub.org and so people who are you know who are beginning farmers and are looking to find farmland um, that's a great place to go we have uh, we have a crew of farmland access navigators that work across the four states that we can connect people to and help them kind of in the process and then we also have um you know, we have resources and connections for farmland owners who may you know, really want to see their land stay farming, may want to see their land, you know, move to a a beginning Mm -hmm. farmer who's going to farm, you know, 
farm it and take care of the land at the same time. And so those are both things. That you and they also could be a, a farmland owner who is trying to find an elegant way to move it to their own children. Right. right? It isn't easy. You just can't give your farm to your kids. I mean, you can, but it it isn't quite that easy. So. Yeah, it's it's, it's complicated. It's complicated. Yeah. yeah, and in fact, uh, we'll put this on the website. I don't know if it's there. We did a exhibit at the state fair that was um, about farmland access and transition, and kind of the whole theme was it's complicated. Yeah, <laughs> I actually think the exhibit is on the renewingthecountryside.org um, website under the events state fair page. But we could move it over. But um, yeah, so those are both uh, great things, and this. This summit really brings together, what did you say, like 200 people from five states, four states, four states. Um, to talk about how to kind of create elegant ways and sophisticated ways of moving farmland. And it's, I think it's really vital for us to all understand. I, I know you could have a speaker about farms under threat, and 31 million acres of farmland have, have been lost to development between 1992 and 2012. So that makes us really um, critical and vital work for right now. Um, so talk a little bit about farms under threat. Yeah, so uh, there's an organization, a national organization called American Farmland Trust, and they did a multi-year study where they looked at a variety of different data and really looked both spatially and at policy issues on a state-to-state basis to see where we were losing them, you know, how much farmland was being lost, where it was being lost, um, and, you know, what could be done to kind of, you know, stop that. Uh, and And development... You know, even though with, you know, with the recession and then, you know, COVID, I mean, development pressures lowered, but still, you know, you look around kind of the the edges of of the cities and what you end up seeing is like a lot of farmland being turned into, you know, these really large, you know, large acreages that, that take it out of farmland and farmland getting, you know, purchased for shopping centers and that sort of thing. And and once it moves into that, it's really hard to get it back into farming. And so what it does is it pushes the, like, especially like the, the, the food farmers who are growing your vegetables and your yeah, right. you know, things that you want to, you know, you want to be accessed and it's important. Like if we have another COVID and we need to have that, it pushes them further and further out because they just can't afford the land closer to the city. Right. So, so I mean, in, in the know, Twin Cities, I mean, we got most of our fruits and vegetables from our local farms, you know, and pumpkins were from Minoka County. Dakota County has some of the best farmland in the world, and now that farmland is so expensive. So now you guys are brainstorming and bringing people together that understand the complexity and are finding pathways to to land ownership. So we haven't talked at all about day two, so I'm going to give you a few seconds. We have four minutes left Mm -hmm. just to talk about some of the stuff that's happening on the second day of the conference. Yeah, so so I think what's what's really exciting is that there are efforts underway to try and um, you know disrupt the patterns that we have, and so some of those are things like um, agricultural conservation easements, which have been used a lot on the East Coast. Which basically um, there's some federal funding, and it'd be great if there were funding from Minnesota and then private funding that can actually you know, lower the cost of that farm land by putting an easement on it that says, you know, we're taking the rights away to develop it. And as long as it stays, you know, you know, so so maybe it's 30% less because the new farmer that 
owns it um, is not going to be able to develop it, that it will keep it into farmland. And then there are interesting things in, in, you know, parts of the country where, you know, investors who aren't just interested in making the most money but are interested also in keeping farmers in the land are putting together pools of funds to help, you know, beginning and emerging farmers um, purchase the land. Because a lot of times what happens is, Land comes up for sale, and you either like if it's at an auction, you have to have you have to have the money to buy it. And a lot of you know these beginning and emerging farmers, they like they need to get a loan. And if they're working with a farm service agency, it takes a while to get that loan, and they have to know the property they want before they can go in. So it's all this complicated process where they can't just go to a auction and purchase the land. So there there are some of these like go between organizations that are trying to capture that land to be able to hold it until the beginning farmers can actually go through the process to get the loan to purchase it. Yeah, we're down to the last two minutes. I, I mean, I learned about some really cool organizations just on, on your website. It was kind of, it was uplifting. So Climate Land Leaders, walkinthewildpath.org. So um, last two minutes, any other shout outs? And again, remind people of the website so they can find out for themselves about this summit. Yeah, so you can jump over to the um, farmlandaccesshub.org. Yep, and there's under events, it'll have that thing. But as far as other organizations, there's there's plenty of them there, especially in our, um, you know, sponsors and whatever. But, um, you know, back to Jan's thing is like if you go to an auction, it's 100 acres and it's $9,000 an acre, like, how many people can walk up to the door with $900,000 in their pocket? There are organizations out there that can help and will make those loans. We have to just make those connections, and that's where, like, farmland access navigators can can be part of that. If you have a business plan and you're ready for farming, you know, you know what you're doing. So, um we're trying to connect all those pieces, Laura. It's just really hard, and it moves so quick. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard, but it's really vital work. Uh, last minute, anything else? I know, I'll just say, what's your idea of Food Freedom Radio? Go out on that question. Awesome. I know. <laughs> idea of Food it's Freedom. To have. <laughs> I know, I wish, um, well, I have wish that I was still in the cities and I could you know, drive out there and, and do a show. Um, but also, um, I also love being able to go to the farmer's market on Saturdays. So. And so appreciate the work that you do. I do too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's uh, it's our birthright. That's what I think. I, I, a connection with the land is our birthright. <laughs> and, and this idea of uh, corn and soy and monoculture, that's not healthy. That's not well. How do we have a well system, including a viable on an economic way, I guess. But a uh, wonderful yeah. conference coming up. Uh, thank you so much. Renewing the Countryside, Brett and Jan. And thank you for listening to Food Freedom Radio.